promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. Don't regret this, Lord. I'm a wonderful person. Gospel according to Matthew, the sixth chapter. Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. And let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin, to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Gather as much of it as each of you needs. Uh, Back in March 2020, some of you can probably remember back then, you know, before our lives ended. um, You know, it was probably about a day, maybe a day and a half after the governor in Minnesota had basically shut down everything. And Carrie and I made a trip to Walmart. We just, we, I was thinking, oh, maybe we'll make some hamburgers and french fries tonight for dinner. So we go there. I go down the frozen food aisle where all the french fries are, and it looked like a McDonald's to-go bag after you've eaten everything. It's got the bonus fries at the bottom. There were no french fries at all. It was empty. There was just a couple of frozen fries strewn around. I thought maybe oh, I could just put those in my pocket, take them home. Well, there was nothing there. We went through the frozen pizza section. Nothing. Went down the aisle that had, like, the uncooked rice and beans. Gone. And then I just thought, okay, well, let's just, let's go down the toilet paper aisle just to solidify something. (laughs) Go down there. Nothing. And I turned to her, and if if you see her today, I, I think she'll be here during coffee hour. You can ask her if this is true. It's true. I turned to her and I said, we are so stupid. We deserve whatever is coming to us, whatever this is, this COVID thing, just based on what I've seen at Walmart, 
Whatever God is sending us, we need this right now to teach us something. I don't know what, but, but something, because we are dumb. And, and wives, I'm sorry, it's not just your husbands. It's everyone. We just confess that. We are in bondage to sin. We're in bondage to dumb. We deserve it. When crisis hits, our our old Adam, that is the old you, the pre-Jesus you, the pre-cross you, the in the garden after eating the fruit you, the the, the, the you that, that when crisis hits, we get tunnel vision and we don't look at anybody else but ourselves and what we need. When crisis hits, that, that old Adam, that old Eve has a play day. We go with that tunnel vision, we, we play with all our fears, and, and with that, we, we have no clue uh, uh, what life is for, where life comes from, or, or what even our basic needs are. Just anything gets turned into a need, am I right? Just, just think about the gas shortage that we had on the East Coast, North Carolina and stuff, just a few months ago. Human beings were putting gasoline in plastic bags, okay? It was happening in the UK, too. So it's not an American thing. It's a stupid sinner thing. It's all of us. One of us, one day, will be at the gas station filling up a Walmart to-go bag of gasoline. I'm guessing. But in other words... We are the Israelites of Exodus 16. If you think you aren't, I hate to tell you this morning, but you are. There will be good news later, but we're going to start here. In Exodus 16, God comes to his people and says, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to give you meat in the evening. I'm going to give you bread in the morning. I'm going to cover your day with my blessings. And you know when he gives this promise? It's right after they've just been complaining. And you want to know what they're complaining about? Well, we're going to die here in the wilderness. I wish we were back in Egypt under slavery where life really was bad. But at least then we had our crock pots. That's actually what they say. We had flesh pots. We had all this food. It was great. We were dying under the burdens of slavery. Things were falling on top of us. We were getting whipped to death. But at least we had our hot dish and our casserole. We had our chili. We had our soup. And even after that complaining, God says, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to give to you. And so he does it. We heard it at the beginning of our our reading that Carol gave us with the the quails come in. Giant, plump quails, head high. You could just, and go home. Roast quail. Boom. Good to go. But then it says, when the layer of dew that that had come down on the camp in the morning had lifted, There on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, what is it? That's where we get the word manna from, manna. That's what the word means. What what is it? And you kind of can see Moses, like most confirmation teachers, scratching his head just, weren't you at the meeting? It was like 10 verses earlier. God said he was going to provide for you. What is it? What's the bread that God is going to give to you, that he has given to you? It is the bread God has given to you. What's worse is if we change the question and we say, where is it? I think that's how our life usually goes, because we can hear God's promise. We can come to church and we can hear God say to you, I am your God. I'm going to give you all things good. I'm going to be with you always. 
You are more valuable than dumpster chickens. Okay? You're more valuable than the ravens who eat dung and and roadkill and whatever else they can find. You're more valuable than them. But then the world comes, our own sin comes, our own old Adam comes to us, our sinful selves, and basically says, I don't believe that. I don't believe you, God. We think God is lying to us, and so we deny his promise for us. And so that's why when we pray this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, especially this petition, we're actually doing holy work. We're hopefully defeating doubt and begging God for the promise again. So let's hear that promise again. As good confirmation students are, I will uh, ask you the questions and you will give me the answers. Are we good on that? Which, by the way, if you want to, you can come to confirmation, 930, room 7. Okay. Give us this day our daily bread. What does this mean? God gives daily bread, even without our prayer, to all people, though sinful. But we ask in this prayer that he will help us to realize this and to receive our daily bread with thanks. What is meant by daily bread? Daily bread includes everything needful for this life, such as food and clothing, home and property, work and income, a devoted family, an orderly community, good government, favorable weather, peace and wealth, a good name, and true friends and neighbors. I don't know if you notice it, but again, we hear this phrase, without our prayer. It's been a common theme these past few weeks. I don't know if you've noticed. It tells us of this non-transactional nature of God. That God is doing things, and we don't have to come to him and say, well, God, if I do this, then you're going to do this for me. God, if I scratch your back, you're going to scratch mine. Instead, we hear his name is holy in and of itself without our prayer. Without our prayer, God's name is holy anyways. Why? Because it's tied to his reputation, his reputation of redemption, which has already been accomplished for you at the cross. So his name is already holy. Or his kingdom comes without your prayer. How does that work? Well, Jesus already came for you, and Jesus is the kingdom. Or last week, his will is done in you without your prayer. What does that mean? Well, remember, it's he gives you faith. He sends a spirit upon you. He gives you the word and sacraments that you might be built up. And so then this morning we hear, well, he gives daily bread without your prayer. So we always pray, give us this day our daily bread. The the Greek roughly translated says, our bread for today, give us today. That word give is a word of generosity. It's a word tied to gift. It's a word tied to You don't pay for this, it's given to you freely. And it's an important word, because the problem is is that our old Adam always wants to say, no, I do it. We're the two-year-old, remember? Trying to learn to tie their shoes, and they'd always say, oh, no, I do it. No, I do it. No, I do it. And you're like, okay, yeah. And you sit there for 30 minutes while you're trying to get to the doctor's office, and they still don't have their shoes tied. Anybody been there? Come on, raise your hands, it's okay. You bore sinners into the world. I'm just telling you what happens. It says, you know, give to us today, right now. Notice he's not talking about tomorrow. 
He's not talking about yesterday. He's talking about today, right now. And if you notice, the, the Greek does a better job than what most of our translation says. It says, the bread we need for today. The word roughly translated is what is needed for existence. Does that mean abundance? Not necessarily. God doesn't guarantee you three hots, okay? That's not guaranteed for us. If we notice in our catechism, to whom does this bread come? Is it just to nice holy people? No, it's to all people, right? Even sinners, you ask? Pastor, even sinners, even those horrible, rotten people? Actually, yes. That's all God has to work with. Just if you're wondering. It's all he's got to work with, sinners. It's all he's got to, that's all he's got to give out his gifts to. And that is actually a promise of, of, of blessing, of mercy to you. So that on your worst day, when you blaspheme his name, when you turn away from him, when you deny his promise, when you deny that Christ is for you, God still gives to you anyway. That's the blessing to the worst atheist in the world that there possibly ever could be, is that it's God's kindness reaching out to maybe bring some repentance, but also so that they realize that they have a God who gives. So Christ comes to us this morning in our gospel reading, and this is what he says to you. Don't worry about a thing, because every little thing is going to be all right. Well, that's actually Bob Marley. But it applies. He got it from Matthew 6, so we'll go with it. This call to not worry fits uh, within the progression of Christ's sermon here in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, because he starts out by telling you that you are blessed when you feel the least blessed. When you're hungry, when you're poor, when you're in need of mercy, all those things, God tells you, oh, no, you're blessed. Then Jesus says that he's here to fulfill the law, and then after that he tells us how broad of a scope the law has to the point that hatred is equal to murder. And yet he says he fulfills it. And he comes to us and says, give of yourselves, because God has given to you. Love all people, including your enemies. Give alms. Pray, he says. That's where we get our Lord's Prayer from, Matthew 6. Fast and deny yourself things, not for your sake, not necessarily for the sake of your neighbor, but for your connection to God. And then he says to us, you can't serve both God and money. So he talks about God and possessions. And so after he's taken all those things from you, then what does he say? Don't worry about a thing, because every little thing is going to be all right. That's a lot easier said than done, right? How many of you have been anxious or worried and someone comes to you, oh, don't worry, right? Does that fix the problem? Probably not, I don't think so, although I'm guilty of it. Half the time when I respond in texts, I go, no worries, right? But it usually doesn't fix the problem. We usually worry more. Plus, when we know how the world works, our worries compound. And, and Luther gets at this in our small catechism. He, he, he makes us realize that it takes more than a McDonald's drive through to provide our daily bread. Uh, he, he doesn't leave things at bread or, or clothes, but he goes straight to things like home and property and work and income, family, community, good government, favorable weather, peace, health. 
And all these inform our, our daily gifts from him. Home, property, work, money. It's, it's hard for us to thank God when we're homeless or, or unemployed, and yet there's blessings that come to us even in those times, but God wants to make sure to provide for us in some way. And then family, community, friends, neighbors. I'm sure many of you have dreaded having meals with people that upset you, that drive you nuts. Those family members, oh great, this uncle's coming to Christmas this year, great. We'll sit him at the kiddies' table, right? And even Psalm 80 talks to us about the bread of tears, how hard it is to enjoy the bread, the meal that God gives to us when there's conflict. And I think that's why, in part, Luther wants to make sure we understand that even our families, parents, spouse, children, are part of our daily bread, what God gives to us. Peace, he lists here, because war makes bread scarce. Good government. That's hard to pray for sometimes, right? Unless our guy's in office, then that's, oh, it's no problem, right? But if our guy or gal is not in power, but then again praying for good government because taxes and regulations and organization and infrastructure have a, have a bearing on our daily bread, right? Favorable weather. Farmers know this. Am I wrong? Those of you who grew up on farms, having your life hang in the balance of how much water, how much seed you're able to get, how much sunshine. So it's no wonder that we worry because we know that something's going to go wrong with all all this multi-level marketing that God does of our daily bread. We know something's going to go wrong, especially since sinners are in charge. They're in the government And with the travails of life that come to us, we always know, while there's no guarantee, we think, that we're going to get our daily bread. And yet we pray in this prayer, based off our catechism, that we might realize that God gives us our daily bread every day, regardless of whether we think he does or not. Regardless of what we think it should be. Philippians 4.19, Paul prays for them, saying, my God will supply all your needs. Is that true for you, church? All your needs? In other words, when we pray this petition, we're asking God to open our eyes and our hearts to see and to know, because then it says that we might receive with thanksgiving whatever our daily bread is. And I think in part because we rarely do. And I think that's because we do still have that old self, that old Adam, that old you alive in us. The, the, the hope is, is that in our baptism, it's drowned. But as one of my, my teachers said, the old Adam, that old you is a good swimmer, can tread water with the best of them. So always comes back up to the surface, trying to assure us that we are on our own, that we have to do it, denying God's promise and goodness, because we can't imagine that God would care about us. And yet the sun came up this morning, right? It's a beautiful sunrise. You have air in your lungs. Your heart is beating right now, and you're doing nothing about it. Some of you will go to Hugo's Grill here in a little while. Have the chilaquiles. I love those. God providing you your daily bread. So you can be assured of the promise, though God also gives you pastors. That's why Pastor Chris and I are here. We serve two jobs. One, we're the local forgiveness person. You sin, you come to us, we forgive you. The second is we're the local promise person. We should, above all people, be able to remind you of the promise that you have a God 
and then he promises you all good things. Because you need to be reminded of those things, those daily gifts. And actually, once, once this petition f- finds full fruit, once, once it does its work in us so that we start to realize that, that even you know, a, a bag of stale Doritos and, and that, that water that they say tastes like fruit, but like a strawberry was like waved over it and then taken away, and it's, you know, that's daily bread for you. And you give thanks for it. The hope and prayer, at least on my part for you, is that then God will open your eyes and your heart to realize the daily bread, the true daily bread that you need. Because all, all our fears of our daily bread not coming to us are tied of our worries about death. We worry that we might have that one last piece of bread. We worry that that last gulp of water was the last one. Because we fear that we will die. And yet it's part of the reason why we have communion every Sunday, that you might know at this table, if for any other thing, you receive your daily bread, the true bread that you need, the bread of life and salvation, the bread that comes with a promise that will say, yes, you are going to die. But Christ speaks to you from his table and says, though you will die, yet you will live because of me, because I am the resurrection and the life, says the Lord. To save you from your fears, from your worries. I have to tell you, church, you died once already. That was at your baptism. You were buried with Christ and raised to new life. No, sorry, the more we realize that, the more we cling to him, knowing that whatever this world throws at us is nothing in comparison to what he can do. You'll be raised with him. The old Adam in you doesn't want to believe that. The old Adam thinks it's all on him. But no, Christ says, no, it's all on me. And so when you come forward this morning or when you partake at your, at your seat, maybe you need to say to yourself, Lord, give me the bread I need for today as you partake. Bread that reminds you of victory over your worries, over your fears, over death. Because the table is Christ's table to give you the bread of heaven, the assurance of salvation from all your worries, that we will have life outside of us, that we'll have life in him. And that's why God gives to you regularly every day, so that you might know that without him you have nothing. But with him, with him, with Christ, you have everything. With that, we say thanks be to God. Amen.